Hello and welcome to Around the League from UGASports.com. I am Dane Young alongside the Hall of Fame head coach Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus. Sometimes they call him Doc. We put that in the title of the show, Donnan, Dane, and Doc. This is uh, presented by Lane's Barbecue out of Bethlehem, Georgia. You need their stuff for your tailgate. We tell you about their sauces and rubs all the time. And uh, later on in the show, I'll even bring up their Instagram page because I've been hyping that up. Lane's Barbecue. Go check them out. Also, thank you to our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping. That's out of Monroe, Georgia. Your front yard will look great for any of your landscaping needs. They are the people to call in the Northeast Georgia area. We'll talk about them a little bit later in the show as well. Guys, we do have a full slate of SEC action for week three, but it doesn't start off quite as well. So let's just get into this, and then you can give me reactions to week two as we go. Uh, Starting at noon in the SEC on Saturday on the SEC Network, New Mexico at Texas A&M. And, Coach, the Aggies have been sputtering to their start on the season. Well, they had really tough luck out there at uh, Colorado when their quarterback Haynes King goes down early with a, a broken leg or a broken bone in his leg. And then Calzada comes in there and really, you know, up and down. So I think they felt like they were going to be able to move the ball a lot better on the ground. They, they didn't do anything on the ground. So it was a good win just because you won, you know, I mean, you don't need to go out there and lose a, a non-conference game. Look at what uh, I mean. The Pac-12 would be on the moon right now if they got that win on top of the the Oregon win. So, uh, but New Mexico got the quarterback plan that's uh, Wilson that transferred from uh, Kentucky, so uh, he knows a little bit about the SEC. But I think this is going to be a game where the second team quarterback gets a chance to practice all week and gets in there, and uh, they're playing at home. And this is going to be ugly, really ugly. Yeah, and Calzada, coach, was, you know, a local kid from Lanier High School in, in Sugar Hill, Georgia. And it, what's interesting about this selection is you had King, who was the redshirt freshman, Calzada, redshirt sophomore. So the older player was the second-team quarterback, and now that guy gets his chance to, to do something. So we get to see what he's made of. Uh, interestingly enough, so you got Terry Wilson for New Mexico. The, also, the nation's leader in quarterback pressures through two weeks. Joey Noble plays for uh, New Mexico. So random, random stat of the day already. That's a good stat. Brent, is there reason to worry about Texas A&M's offense after these first couple of games? Yes. Just because you felt like you had your guy at quarterback, you've not looked efficient, sort of working your way into the season, and then you got to switch, and then you got to go to the second guy. This this part of it helps, and you've got, you know, a little bit before you play Bama – but still yet, you know, it, it's not, you know, I, I picked them as my on the come up team uh, and I'm, I'm not feeling very good about that right now. Well, they had a guy that's been playing there ever since uh, you, both you guys were born, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean how many years he played and he played well, but you know, uh, this is a quarterback centric team, every team that coach, that Jimbo's ever coached, you know, he built their offense around with their strengths and uh, they got certain, you know, great tight end, really good receivers and got to replace a lot of guys in the line. They got some transfers, but uh, they just don't, they got to get, get it rolling here and get a little confidence before they go against some of these really tough teams. Like it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they can steamroll New Mexico. I guess technically Kellen Mond was only there for two presidential eras in the United States. What would have been funny is if Jared Garantano would have gone to Texas A&M instead of Washington State. He's still playing college football out there. Uh, that obviously didn't happen. Uh, the next game in these first four, that it's kind of take, take the kids on a walk, take your dog around the neighborhood, just checking on these scores when you come back. Kentucky plays Chattanooga at home on SEC Network Plus. Uh, Coach, what have you seen from Kentucky's offense? It's not going to be competitive, I don't think, with Chattanooga, but this is a different-looking team. Yeah, I really watched that game with intense uh, eyes and ears last week because I want to see this Kentucky offense. And Even though they didn't throw that much, they still have that uniqueness of being a tough physical team, which they needed in the game against Missouri because Missouri challenged them. And they really pounded them with the with the run, and they're good enough throwing the ball that they can convert some third downs. And that kid's got good feet, 
so I think this team is uh, more dangerous every week with this offense and their defense is, is always going to be sound. So, uh, you know, I think right now, uh, and then of course, Chattanooga, I mean, they need to take a couple of choo-choos up there, man, because <laughs> you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be ugly. Coach, I think you hit the nail on the head more dangerous every week as Kentucky gets more and more comfortable in this offense. And you can see it when you watch, you know, you watch Kentucky and then go watch the Rams on Sunday night. It looks very similar. And when you have right now three primetime players, at least from how they're playing with the quarterback in, in Levis, who has the seventh highest pass grade in the nation right now, Rodriguez at running back who, you know, is the highest graded returning running back in the SEC, one of the in, in second in the nation, I think in yards right now. And then Wandell Robinson, the transfer from Nebraska, who is completely, you know, Randall Cobb-esque effect, I think, on their offense and averaging like 23 yards a touch right now. It's that there's some there's some stuff there. There's some definite legitimacy uh, to what they're doing. Some nervous SEC teams looking at what Kentucky's doing and saying, oh, this is not Kentucky of our past. And that's been the case for a couple of years with Stoops. So now that the offense is taking the next step, I think a lot of teams are taking notice. Uh, fresh off giving up a boatload of points to Pitt, the Tennessee Volunteers are back at home against Tennessee Tech. Coach? You know, the one thing about Tennessee is they really missed the growing opportunity. I mean, Pitt's a really good – ACC team. I mean, it's not a top maybe 20 team. It's, you know, in that next echelon. And for Tennessee to have that many new players and lost that many transfers and moving around their quarterbacks and all, I mean, you know, you lose at home in that fashion, it's got to really burn you because I don't know where they're going to get the six wins. I mean, you, you know, you got to get six wins to go to a bowl and get those extra practices for your for your younger guys and build your system up. So, but uh, looking at their schedule now, uh, you know, they're, they're going to get, get a few of them, but uh, you know, getting five more on me, I don't know how they're going to do it. They'll get one this week, but it's going to be difficult for them for sure. What do you think, Brent? And who's your QB? Who are you going to go with? I mean, you've had, you had basically three to choose from. You kind of went in and out a little bit with both of them. Now, who's your guy? Go with somebody. I'm telling you, and, that and Michigan transfer, his arm strength, he can throw it out of the stadium. But the yes. thing is, he doesn't know where it's going. No, not 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 much whatsoever. None of them, none of the quarterbacks right now play or you know distance themselves uh, in any way. And it's just once you find that guy, and then maybe you can get a little some momentum. But until you do, that they're going to be struggling. Now, there's going to be a tribute question down the road when I'm long gone. But you guys can remember it, who's the only quarterback to start. Uh, for the home team in a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand seat stadium. So Milton did it at the big house and he's doing it up there at Neyland stadium. So he's used to playing in front of some big crowds. So, uh, uh, but, but, you know, Harrison Bailey sitting there waiting for his chance. Maybe he'll get a shot. You don't know, but it, it looks like they, they really hooked their wagon to hooker, you know, yes. so we'll see how that works. Mr. Bailey is somebody I assume ends up in the, Portel uh, later on this year. Transfer portal will be active in the in the coming weeks, just all around the country. I think you're going to see that. Uh, and then the along final those lines, along those lines, something that you know for the fans, just in case uh, the NCA is, is supposedly coming out with a deal to help these teams that are losing their initials. You know, you can have 25 players, and then uh, you know if you lose a guy, you can, it's hard to make them up, but. Uh, supposedly starting next year, they you can go up to 32. So that will take care of seven transfers. So I think that'll be big. Uh, you know, some of these teams going to be able to recruit a little more. Yes. And helps the high school kids. Yeah, that's more scholarships available. That's that, true. That's a direct result of roster management woes from coaches and just saying, we, we need more options here. This, this is becoming For a problem. Sure. I mean, it's a, it's, uh, you know, you, you got to feed the, you know, you know, feed the cow that's making it, giving you the milk here. I mean, if you all of a sudden you, uh, you know, don't let these bigger teams uh, supplant their rosters, they're going to end up like some of these teams that, uh, you know, that are showing that uh, situation without a, a big roster. So I think 32 is good. I mean, I, I'm really happy about it. 
Final noon cupcake game is in Missouri as the Tigers are uh, going against Southeast Missouri State. Coach, I know nothing about them, but you lived in the state at one point, so maybe you know more. Yeah, it's down in the boot of uh, Missouri as you look at the map, and everybody always uh, – that was a, such a big deal for, for the kids in the state if they could ever get a chance to play against Mizzou, particularly up there at Faroe Field. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like – a situation with UAB coming over to play Georgia last week. So uh, I don't know why people try to call me when I'm on this show, but they sure Well, you do. tell Gary Pinkle <laughs> that he can he can hang up. Yeah, but anyhow, so I think it'll be um, a situation where these kids will play really hard, but uh, Missouri is impressive to me uh, offensively. They got a lot of weapons. The quarterback can deal. Uh, this batty kid is – you know, good receiver, good uh, runner. Uh, I guess I'm pronouncing his name right, but uh, he really has an all-around type back for him, and, and they really know what they're doing. Uh, coach Drinkwitz has got a good offense. He was a coordinator at NC State, the head coach at Appalachian, and they got a really good concept. He came, came in here from – was working at Boise State at one time, worked for Gus Malzahn as an analyst at uh, – at Auburn, and they, they really do challenge you. And I think it's going to be a team that uh, week in and week out, somebody you got to take care of in this league. And you just got to, once they start getting some better defensive play, like right now they've missed 20, like somewhere upwards of 30 tackles in two games. Their best player is a transfer, a defensive back from Tulsa. So it's not like you had a lot of in-house uh, defensive players. You lost some of the guys like Nick Bolton to the NFL. So once they start getting that defensive realm figured out a little bit. I think, like you said, coach, they're a tough out each and every week, but all right. So my coach, my question after these four games that we've just run through, what was your strategy when you had to play directional state university that you were favored by like 30 plus points against? What, what, how did you handle that week? Yeah. You just got to talk to your players early in the week about preparation. If we prepare and work hard, like we're playing against a really good team, then anything they do is not going to bother us. But if we flip around all week and then go out there and just think we're going to be able to play, our execution is going to suffer. And the other thing is I, I hit hard to, hey, you got a buddy here. He's on the second or third team. He's been running the scout team for you, holding a dummy, running the plays. He deserves a chance to get out there and play. And so you play hard so he can get in the game and have a chance to show his family and his girlfriend and all that you know, he's on scholarship too. So, I mean, you just use every kind of motivation you can, but it, like really, that one. it really is difficult, particularly with social media now. I mean, cause it's hard to really, uh, you know, for these kids to not realize how, you know, some of these teams aren't that great, but you know, you just keep hearing it. And, and of course you guys show the tape all the time to our people on uh, rivals that, on our site and the players get to see it too. And, you know, when a player gets knocked around or the team can't get lined up right or whatever the inadequacies of that team are, they're very vivid on the, on the tape. So, the, but the other thing I always talked about is this team is just screwed up enough that they can make you look bad because you don't know where they're going to line up sometime because they don't know where they're going to line up. And then, you know, a guy's standing there and he's not supposed to be there and you run in that direction. He makes a tackle. We don't have anybody to block him because it couldn't be that stupid to line up there, but they line up there. So you got to be careful. And I'm not just saying stupid. That's a bad word. I hate to say that, but it's just a case of, you know, sometimes, sometimes you just step on your own toes so much trying to, over-prepare for somebody and you know just the best thing you can do is just keep it simple be very physical and uh, make sure you take care of the little things and you know the big things work out and two quick points just from my years of covering high school football for the Tennessee and Missouri games in particular there are going to be guys on the Tennessee and Missouri rosters that see their high school teammates on those smaller schools roster especially within the same state it may be the case for Chattanooga and New Mexico as well in those games but when you're going against one of your buddies from high school you want to show yeah. out for them and you know that they're trying to show out for their team against you. I mean, this is their Super Bowl of their season, getting to play in Neyland Stadium or uh, playing at Kentucky, something like that. So that's one point. The other thing is that not all directional schools uh, have the same caliber of play. This is not a Florida State and Jacksonville State situation. Jacksonville State has a, a little legacy now 
of being really good in these kinds of games. And so just like, you know, Appalachian state didn't have its reputation for a while, but now everyone knows you're going to schedule app state. You're going to be in a dogfight in that game. Very much so. Very much so. I want to stop and talk about our friends uh, at Connor Grading and Landscaping. They're based out of Monroe, Georgia. And uh, before we started doing this show this season, we only do it during the season. Before we started, we all gathered over at Brent's house uh, because we wanted to see what Connor Grading and Landscaping did. Because Coach told me, said, look, I, I need to see the work that was done. I need to make sure that if I'm going to put my name on it, that it's something that I approve of. And Brent, he hasn't stopped talking about your front yard for a month now. I mean, uh, yes, and... I, I, I try to take care of it as best I can. It looked way better when they got done versus me taking care of it on my own. Uh, but still yet, no, they've done, a phenom- they've done a phenomenal job. They do great things. If you go to their Facebook page, there's lots of just outdoor putting greens, outdoor oasis in a way that you can think and everything that you would need from your outdoor line- landscaping perspective, they can handle. What you're looking for when you got somebody uh, taking care of your house uh, you know, the first thing anybody sees when they drive up is your, the, your lawn and your, you know, everything about it. And just the grading around your house is just so good. You know I mean? Uh, it, Cause it's a different lot there and you got to make sure that, you know, the, the, you know, it doesn't wash away and all that. So, uh, you know, at that point I, I was a little bit nervous riding up, but I'm going to tell you what, this, this is very impressive. And, uh, you really don't deserve that. You don't deserve <laughs> that. <laughs> but, but yes, you do. Got lucky. Got taken care of. Got taken and care of. You did, and it looks good, and you do a good job with it. But I just think that uh, everybody has got something that they need around their house that uh, the, 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 the Connor people can take care of, whether it be, you know, fixing a, an area that needs to be re, resodded or whatever it might be. So look them on the – Facebook, like you said, and uh, check them out and uh, give them a chance. You know, they, they'll just come out there and give you an estimate and see what it's all about. That's what I love. I love their creativity. And then I love their problem solving. If you have an idea, they're going to hear you out. and They're going to say, here's the best ways to do that. Or maybe they say, here's a better way to do that based on our expertise. And they're going to do it in the most cost efficient way possible. And they're going to do it as fast as they can get it done uh, because they want your yard looking the best it can be. That's Connor Grading and Landscaping in Monroe, Georgia. All right, guys, the big game of the week in the SEC, the Alabama Crimson Tide going down to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium to play the Florida Gators. Uh, This is not quite a top 10 matchup, but it is one versus 11. Coach Alabama is the heavy favorite, but it's still tough to win down there in Gainesville. Yeah, it's a difficult place. And they're really going over the fact that, uh, you know, the biggest game in long term at the Swamp. Florida has been impressive with their offense. Defensively, they – uh, seem to improve some, uh, you know, they still got to, you know, show that they can stop the run against a really good team and can handle the play action pass and RPOs. But, you know, in the uh, off season here in the last couple of years, coach uh, Grantham has brought in Paul Pasqualoni from the ex uh, Syracuse coach who actually coached, was a defensive coordinator for the Lions and, Cowboys has been around there and he's kind of an analyst that he's helping him out. And you can see some of those pro concepts on their team. Also Tyson Summers has come in there as an, an analyst who was a coordinator at uh, Colorado. So, uh, you know, they're getting some good help during the game. It's always very beneficial. I think the big key in this game to me is can, can Alabama go in there and be patient enough offensively knowing that everybody wants them to look like the steamroller they had last year. And you're not just going to go up and down the field against really good teams uh, with, with the talent they got. They don't have the back that, that they had. And I mean, he's a good back and the quarterback's got to prove himself uh, young, but uh, just understand you're going to have some and take care of the football and everything will take care of the business. But if you go in there and, start taking some unbelievable chances and get this Gator team going with, with the explosiveness they've got, uh, they can make things happen. So uh, I, I think as long as Alabama doesn't give it to them like they did LSU starting out that one year uh, when LSU and LSU certainly deserved the win, no, no question, but Alabama turnover at the end of the half, you know, gave them another score and all that. Just, just go down there and execute. And you got, you got the, the better group of grouping of players 
And uh, it gets down to this for me, which quarterback is going to take care of the ball the best. That's going to be the question. And it might be the other quarterback for uh, for uh, Florida. We don't know if Richardson will be the guy or not. But how you figure this one out? Because I know you got plenty of stuff there, Doc. I'm going to give you, give you a choice here, Coach. I'm going to give you quarterback A or quarterback B. So quarterback A, 91 passing grade, no turnover-worthy plays, 95.6 overall grade, lots of long rushing touchdowns. Quarterback B, 41 passing grade, six turnover-worthy plays, a little bit of, and a lot of running game. I think it's a pretty easy choice. Even I can figure that one out. A versus B. A was Richardson. A was Anthony Richardson, who 6'4", 235, doing flips before the game. And Emory's just turning the ball, you know, making – turning the ball over, making some decision-making interesting. But I, I but Richardson kind of tweaked his hand a little bit. How much is he ready to go? I still think they're going to play in both. I, I think he's just going to move in both. Colin sees him day in and day out, all, all summer, all fall. And he saw in Emory what he wanted. Plus, he invested a lot in him. So, I don't think he's just going to yank him and put this guy in. But he, he's certainly a guy that, that's, you know, living on Tulsa time. You know that song, he, Emory's living on Tulsa time. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, top, the clock is ticking. Very much so. And this fantastic young prospect. And we'll see how it goes. But uh, – but it, it, I'm glad this game is being played where we can see it, you know, not at the same time when the dogs are playing. So it's going to be A couple other interesting things for Alabama. you got Bryce Young in his first really true road start. You also have uh, Will Anderson nicked up his knee a little bit, their edge rusher. You've already lost Chris Allen on the other edge. So if Will Anderson doesn't play, your edge guys have a combined – the three main edge guys that would play for them combined 200 career snaps. So that's a, that can be an issue and a sort of weakness in a way uh, for Alabama. Now, great, granted, they're five-star players and you know doing a lot of things, but that's one thing. Bryce Young can he still be as cool and calm and collected as he's been, avoiding pressure? He's been pressured a bunch. Forty over forty percent of his dropbacks have been pressured, but he only been sacked twice. He does a great job avoiding it. And then lastly, one of the things I think that Florida did a very good job of within the transfer portal was just adding bodies along their defensive line. Now they've got you know, a healthy depth. I think it's like 10 guys that have played at least 25 snaps along their defensive line. That did not happen at all a season ago. Most, you know, five or six guys played a majority of the snaps. So there's a little bit of they have the depth maybe to handle the physical game that Alabama's about to bring to them. Very, very good, sir. Very good points. And I think that gives them a shot. And in and, and big games, usually, as much as we talk about the star and the coaches and all the teams that have the best O line and D line usually win because you win in the trench makes it easier for your your stars to excel whether it's tackling people in space and and, and keeping people off of them or offense that where you had quarterbacks getting protected and your backs are getting holes to run in so uh, I got to give a big edge to Alabama at that at this point in O line they just got more players there than than the Gators do. It's a good thing that the Gators added to that defensive line, Brent, because Evan Neal might could eat three guys. I mean, that guy is playing so well at left tackle. He's and with that body size, level. I mean, he's he's top ten pick, no doubt, um, just with the, the skill that he has. And, Coach, I wanted to, to just ask you, because I texted this to you guys earlier, Brenton Cox, the Florida defensive end and then former UGA defensive end, it was asked – is Florida ready for this game? It seemed like a pretty simple question. Any good media training is going to say, yeah, we're preparing, we're going to execute, yada, yada, yada. I'm glad it didn't say that because now I get to ask you this. Brenton Cox said, yeah, we're ready. It's more about is Alabama ready? If you're the coach of the Gators after that, what are you saying? Because you know that that's that bulletin board material. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't very good. Uh, uh, it's just a case of uh, particularly a team that just whipped you you know, six months ago in the uh, championship game. So uh, I think the best thing you can do is just try not to be smart aleck like that. But uh, in his mind, he probably feels that way. And, you know, you can say what you want to, but uh, – He gets would, a chance to put his money where his mouth is. I would suggest that, that you probably make a few more plays, Brenton makes a few more plays, and then you can talk about it. Uh, and don't jump offside more than three times in the game, Okay. <laughs> I think Nick Saban was happy for some. Remember social. that. Remember that. He's a sucker for the hard count now. I mean, he really is. 
Well, Alabama will be well prepared with Bill O'Brien and that new offensive coaching staff. Uh, Four o'clock on the SEC network, Georgia Southern coming off of uh, a pretty large blowout loss to FAU going to Arkansas, coming off a blowout win against Texas. Well, I think the one thing that was more preeminent around the whole league was the way that the uh, Arkansas Razorback took Texas behind the woodshed. I mean, it was a very thorough butt kicking. Uh, and, uh, you know, Texas uh, left their, uh, you know, Bebo is saying, hey, I'm going to have to look where the grass is greener. So, uh, uh, you know, that's a pretty good joke, I think. So I think the, the main thing for, for this uh, Arkansas team is get down off the clouds, understand that you're going to play a team that tries to keep the ball away from you, that, you know, runs a lot of option stuff and, you might not get as many chances in this game as you did. You know, you know, they, they might have a little more difficulty stopping this three-back stuff. And uh, of, to, to me, playing a team like Georgia Southern is one of the worst things that they could be doing compared to maybe playing New Mexico or New Mexico State or something because of the system that Georgia Southern has. I mean, it's just systems help you when you're outmanned a little bit. So, I don't see this being a blowout victory for Arkansas just because of the way Southern plays. But, you know, it could happen. It could happen because they're really confident right now. I mean, those people in that state, they're riding high right now. I guarantee you people are going into Walmart and spending more money than they ever spent out there. I mean, that's, a you know, hey, honey, let's go to Walmart and spend some money, you know, because I'm telling you. That state's got a lot of pride, and they've been low for the last few years. And congratulations, Coach Pittman, and getting that team back up there because that's the you know you don't have a pro team in the state, you know, except for going to the horse races and everything. I mean, those people, Arkansas football is the stuff. So that's a tremendous win, and it's good for our conference too. Brent, I don't know if people really put into perspective what Sam Pittman inherited from that Chad Morris era, which was just decrepit in terms of football. There was some talent on the team. I'm not saying there wasn't, but the culture was rough. And so for him in a year and a half now, uh, I guess if you want to say two years, right at it, uh, to be able to flip it around and have that win over Texas, I mean, it's just, it's outstanding. Yeah, the dude can flat out coach. I mean, he can coach, he can create a culture, he can do the things that you need to do to build a program. I think obviously what's going to be interesting for him is you have this week against Georgia Southern and then look at the next four weeks. That would be A&M at Georgia at Ole Miss versus Auburn. How good do you feel after that month? But I will say from their perspective, KJ Jefferson as a runner has made them, you have Trey Burks on the outside. That's a big time playmaker for you. KJ Jefferson as a runner, fourth highest rush grade for all quarterbacks in, in the nation, averaging right around 10 yards attempt seven yards after contact per attempt. He is a he is a big time threat as a runner and it's making them go right now. So get it, you know, do the thing this week, get get through it, survive in advance, and then go through the gauntlet that is that is the next four weeks of their schedule. A tough little matchup at four o'clock Eastern time, three central for the Mississippi State Bulldogs going to Memphis. A big win if they get it could help in recruiting for that area. Uh, but that, that's a tough game to play at Memphis, coach. Yeah, Memphis breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, yeah, they really look good so far. I mean, uh, that's that's a big game for Memphis, too, when they get to play Ole Miss or Mississippi State because, as you mentioned, uh, so, so close to the state of Mississippi, and they get a lot of JUCOs out of there and a lot of players that, that look at Memphis because of their style of football. But the thing about uh, that I see in this Mississippi State Bulldog team is – way that Will Rogers is starting to really grasp the system, you know, he had some tight windows. I mean, he's hitting some passes that guys are covered, but he, you know, he knows where to go with the ball. And that's uh, one thing that, that I've always noticed about Coach Leach is, you know, his quarterback well-schooled and uh, they're kind of a come off of what he teaches them, but, you know, a coach on the field so they, they know they don't do so much changing the play, but reading progressions, and they really know where to go, and you can see their head moving and all that. And uh, NC State's, you know, I, I felt like, the, the, you know, I know that Brent was talking about them, that, that that's just a, 
I mean, for them to, they started off with the opening kickoff, taking it all away. So that put state behind the eight ball right off the bat, but very impressive that Will Rogers, don't you think, uh, don't you think he's really coming on strong there? Uh, he has, and he's very accurate. And that's the one thing he's been from the moment he stepped in is very accurate and 80% adjusted completion percentage and, and, you know, a very impressive win for them facing now a Memphis team that does some really interesting things and can light up the scoreboard also has the nation's leading rusher right now in terms of rush yards, Brandon Thomas. So it's going to be a good game. I think Mississippi state is actually only favored by three points. So this is a, this is a sort of trap game for them, but one that, you know, I think they eventually come out on top. The one thing you always wor worry about when you play Memphis, you think about all these big passing yards and all that, but just like you alluded to, they always have a good rusher and they keep you honest. Uh, a lot like what uh, Ole Miss is doing, you know, I mean, they spread you out, but then find a bubble and run right at you. But Brandon Thomas is, is taking over where these other guys have left off and you just can't concentrate on rushing the passer and stopping the pass. Uh, they, they have run the ball very effectively and they're, Head coach was an old line coach, so he likes the running game and he knows what it's all about. We know how tough the SEC West is, but there is a chance that we wake up in a month and, and are like, huh, look what Mississippi State's doing. And like we didn't necessarily project that coming into the season. It looks like LSU's kind of falling to the floor of the league on, on that side of the conference. And who knows with Mississippi State? I guess we'll have to see over the next month or so uh, when SEC play really kicks in. We'll give my boy, uh, my boy Scott. Uh, Coach Rollins here, a little credit. He was bringing out the fact that Coach Leach's team has always made dramatic improvement from the – always were a lot better than the second year every time they played, you know, whether it was uh, at uh, Texas or Washington State. So, uh, he was – he was uh, Karnak the Magnificent on that. Good job. Thank you. I should have stayed with him last week, though. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have listened to my buddy. Yeah. <laughs> listen to my, my O-line coach there. You can't listen to your assistant coaches. You know better now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of assistant coaches, one of Kirby Smart's coming back to Athens. Coach, we talked about this a lot. 7 o'clock ESPN. You can join us for the Watch Along Show with Jim Donnan. This whole cast here, myself, Dane Young, and Brent Rollins. That will uh, go live about 645 on this uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and you can watch the game along with us. It's a second screen experience. You can get real-time commentary from us, but mainly from Coach Donovan because that's what you tune in for. Uh, and you can turn off the announcers. We'll get it synced up with your TV. It's a great time. We do it every week. South Carolina coming to number two Georgia primetime national kickoff. Coach? Go ahead and start us off here, Brent. There's one thing that interests me with this game, and that's Georgia's offensive line that has really kind of struggled through two weeks playing against South Carolina's defensive line that has some NFL-level players. In, uh, Kingsley, in, and all, by the way, they're all single digits, so they'll be easy to spot. Number one, number three, and number seven. So, Inigbear, uh, Birch, that many Georgia fans know because Georgia was heavily recruiting him. Uh, and then I think it's Strawn is how you say his name, Jordan Strawn, former a Camden County kid, Georgia State transfer. You know, those three guys can get after the passer and do some things on the defensive line. Georgia hasn't protected that over that – greatly they haven't you know run the ball as efficiently as they would like and for the most for an entirety of a game so that matchup and that matchup alone is what i'm watching yeah i mean you make a good point those d linemen they got really are very you know can play for a lot of teams but i think the the biggest problem they're going to have is their back end is just not i mean it's been decimated guys transferred uh, got drafted. Uh, they really had a bit, you know, big exit plan with their secondary. You know, that hurt them worse than anything. And then a couple guys they had that transferred in uh, hadn't panned out. So, uh, and from from our running game perspective, we haven't uh, focused on it as much last week as we with the passing game there. So we'll see how that all works out. But I look for air raid from Georgia. I just think we'll come off when we get in the. Uh, on the bus there, up there at the air, uh, you know, at the, at the education uh, place where they stay, those guys will be throwing the ball on the bus. I mean, we'll be throwing it all the way into the stadium and uh, see an aerial circus, I believe. But uh, and then from uh, Shane Beamer's perspective, uh, you know, who is he going to go with the quarterback? Doty might be ready. Uh, uh, Nolan's done a good job and got him two wins, but uh, their line's going to have a really tough time. Uh, trying to, you know, figure out how to block our guys. So 
Um, we'll see how, how it works out. Uh, one thing you know about uh, Shane Beamer, uh, I mean, every time I cut on TV or cut on the radio or open up a newspaper, or, or see, he's been interviewed about, about anybody that's got a heartbeat this week. So he's certainly uh, pushing his program. He came for that. I hope he's had enough time to coach. He's had so many interviews. I'll say one thing. If uh, South Carolina pushes Doty out there and he's still recovering, he's going to end up right back hurt again uh, with South Carolina's offensive line and Georgia's defensive front may not be the wisest move for the Gamecocks. I, the spread I've seen is around 30 to 32, depending on what you look at. And that tells you two things when it spreads that big, they respect Georgia. They don't respect South Carolina. It has to be well, both know, of those. Year, like that. You saw last year, Doty had about 18 out of 22 passes, but he threw them all short. And then Harris ran the ball pretty good. We haven't, Harris as much as these other two backs. Uh, I think Brent was talking about some of these guys got, you know, 17 carries and all that. But um, it's just going to be a a situation here the next two weeks where Georgia hopefully against South Carolina Vanderbilt can, you know, take care of business and and, uh, get through the game healthy. If there's a national story in college football, it would be the USC coaching search. And that – has a little bit of a play with our next game as Auburn uh, number 22-ranked Tigers. Brian Harson undefeated. They haven't played really anyone so far. Getting a test at number 10 Penn State. That atmosphere is going to be rocking. I mentioned USC because James Franklin is one of the names being tossed out for that job. Whether he actually wants it, whether that's agent play, I have no idea. What I do know is that this is uh, one of those measuring stick kind of games for Auburn, Coach. Yeah, here's the thing with Penn State. I mean, it's right there for them in the East now. Ohio State's got a loss. Uh, they had a big win, you know, against Wisconsin in a crossover game. Uh, let's see what they're all about. You know, can they can they function enough to be, uh, you know, right there in the national stage? You know, every time they've had a chance, they've had a hard time. They did get the win over Ohio State about four years ago when they blocked the field goal, but – no question it's going to be a tough app that white out there. It's going to be even worse because they haven't hit for two years. So all these people are going to be jacked to the max. You know, those Western Pennsylvania people uh, like to get on Eastern Pennsylvania people because they do the white out and all that. But I'm going to just tell you, now, a lot of pride up there in, in the uh, in that valley, River Valley, those people, Penn State, that's their team. And uh, – they want Franklin to do well, and, uh, you know, he could be in on that job. Who knows? I mean, it's just so long before the uh, – I've never heard of a coach taking a job, leaving his job during the season, but uh, it's a lot of that. It's going to be every day. You're going to be, here's the next guy. I heard Eric Benamy from the Chiefs. I mean, they ask about Urban Meyer, you know, uh, having a heart problem and then going out there. I mean, it's just so many things. Uh, and real quick, I'll let Lent, uh, Brent talk about all – uh, it's not their fault who they played. They seem to have a good sense of direction on offense, but uh, certainly haven't been challenged on defense. So we'll see how they go. But the uh, fact opposite of uh, from a Tennessee perspective, you know, they got two wins right off the bat and, uh, and, and so did South Carolina, but uh, I think Tennessee would have probably gotten two wins against those two teams too. What do you think, Brent? That's just, I, it's Bo Nix. Are you going to be home game Bo Nix or are you going to be road game Bo Nix? Because those have been two completely different players uh, in his career. And then also Tank Bigsby has been able to kind of be on cruise control in these first two games. Not this weekend. You're going to see a whole lot of Tank. A whole lot of Tank Bigsby this weekend. I think that a game like this is where Mike Bobo's presence is most valuable for this Auburn team. He's coached in games like this before. Not that Brian Harson hasn't, but it's just not as frequent at a place like Boise State. So that's going to be a calming presence uh, that's going to help a guy like Bo Nix to hopefully get his act together here uh, on the road. Because like you said, Brent, it's two different ball games for him. But this could be one of those career-defining, season-defining kind of wins for the Tigers. This is a big game uh, for for the nation, really. Yeah, how about little Robertson, the transfer from Georgia? He got three touchdowns last week, two on the receiving end and one on the reverse. So, uh, 
he had a career day. I mean, although he did some things like that out at Cal, but uh, certainly helping that offense for uh, for the Auburn Tigers. Next game, this is 7.30 on the SEC Network. It may be a little bit of a tough one based on how they've been performing. Central Michigan going down to Death Valley to play LSU. Coach, the Tigers are in a world of hurt. They, they beat McNeese State, but it, it wasn't fun. Yeah, the thing about the Tigers is all you hear about is all the guys are missing, whether it's academics, you know, running back ruled ineligible. They've had guys uh, hurt. They've uh, Their offensive line looks like a – revolving door, uh, uh, Max Johnson, every time you watch it, I mean, I was flipping back and forth, but running for against McNeese State, and he certainly was running for his life against UCLA. So uh, this team really looks to me like they're in a world of flux right now. I mean, it could go either way. They could all of a sudden get some guys back and really put it together, or it could go south pretty quick because they, they, they got a couple great corners and, things like that, but uh, this don't look near as good defensively, particularly against UCLA. McNeese was not that much of a challenge, but I'm looking for this UCLA team to maybe go south. What do you think, uh, Coach Rollins? I mean, they've had a lot of drops, too, uh, and it's just it just looks off. It doesn't look LSU-like, and that's – you know, when you think about it, if, if that is the case and it does kind of fall off in a, in a big way – and you have maybe the Edo becomes Gene Chizik 2.0 who wins and then a couple years later is gone, you might have USC and LSU jobs open at the exact same same time. That that makes for interesting uh, in college football. But can they finally get some consistency either uh, both offensively and defensively in this game? And Central Michigan's not going to be a pushover. They played Missouri tough. McElwain's back, I think, assume coaching now. And and they're going to play them tough, and they're going to go make it difficult on them. The quarterback. Yeah, I mean, what about their schedule? I mean, come on. What's what's the deal with Central Michigan? I mean, they don't need to be playing two SEC teams. But uh, but the one thing that that, that uh, bothers me to LSU is they're interviewing Coach O, and he said, "Hey, we got to really work on how we get our plays in." I usually don't hear a coach say that. Now, I mean, uh, if they're if the fans are griping about that on top of everything, it's one thing to get beat, but if they're griping about you can't get your plays in, then uh, hey, and they get rolling here. So he said they, he was going to get that fixed too. So uh, this is a team that Central Michigan is always well prepared. Uh, you look at, at the guys that have been the coach there, uh, Brian Kelly, uh, uh, Mark D'Antonio. I mean, there's been some really good coaches there. And I don't know if D'Antonio was there just Cincinnati, but I know – he definitely was uh, – and Brian Kelly was there. So uh, – and Butch did some good things there. So we'll have to see uh, if, if LSU can this, – this look like a team. You know, like we were talking about execute, catch the ball, protect your quarterback, cover the guys, uh, do the little things. And, and uh, certainly they need a big W there because they're going to have a – I'm telling you now, that – SEC West is going to be Burma Road. I mean, it's going to be tough as nails. I mean, you look every week who you got to play. I mean, there's no – I mean, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Mississippi State used to be, hey, you could just chalk them up. But, you, you, you hey, you better be ready against those teams. Texas A&M all of a sudden has got quarterback issues, so they're not going to be as dominant. Uh, who knows what Auburn's going to be like. And, uh, hey, it's, it's going to be – tough way to get get out of there in that league. They're going to knock each other off. I will say that with LSU, they need some help around the quarterback to make the quarterback better. The offensive line has some critical issues. Uh, Kayshawn Butte is still fantastic, and, and that should almost be the offensive game plan. It's just throw it wherever he is and see if he can make a play. But when you look at the LSU running backs, there's not a guy that's separating there. And when you look at John Emery, it was supposed to be a stud recruit a couple of years ago, academically ineligible. And so, yeah, a lot of guys are missing, but you have to help out your quarterback in some ways, and they haven't figured out a way to do that yet. Uh, tough game for the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, we almost saw Tulane take out Oklahoma in the first game of the season. Now at 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 Eastern, Tulane goes to Oxford against uh, Lane Kiffin and the Rebels. Yeah, hey, Chip Long, the offensive coordinator that was at Notre Dame when they played Georgia both games, 
uh, is the coordinator now for uh, Tulane. And I watched them against Oklahoma, and they really schemed Oklahoma. They did a lot of good things with their formations, with their uh, route concepts, and they just confused Oklahoma uh, in their protection, too, where they were able to get the ball launched. And they came down to, the, you know, fourth quarter with an onside kick. They had a chance to win at OU. So is this Ole Miss defense really for real? I mean, certainly made marked improvement over last year, the first two games, but they're going to get challenged here. Uh, this Ole Miss defense is going to get challenged, but I don't know that Tulane's defense can hold up against Matt Corral and all these weapons that Ole Miss has got. So should be an offense, you know, really offensive uh, Donnybrook out there. I think it's going to be a good game to watch. How you feel about it, Brent? Same. It's, if you like points, this is the game to watch. And specifically for me, watching Ole Miss, it was like who was going to become that playmaker uh, on the outside to replace Elijah Moore uh, for Matt Corral. And it's become a super senior, uh, Dontario Drummond, who now kind of very, looks, just looks, size, speed, characteristics, looks very A.J. Brown-like, number three in the FBS in, in receiving grade, and giving Corral that one guy in addition to the scheme that they already have uh, as a go-to guy. And it's I, I could see Ole Miss putting 60 on them. One positive thing for Tulane going into uh, next week is I did say that they're going to play their first home game of the season with uh, the hurricane having them displaced. They'll be back at home playing in New Orleans next week. I think it's a couple weeks earlier than what they said. If you're wondering just about where could college game day go, if you're looking for a storyline and a narrative, that would be a place. But otherwise, it may be Texas A&M and Arkansas next week for game day. It's a lighter slate, and so Arkansas may get the eyes of the college football world. We shall see. Uh, I want to pause here before we get to our last game and tell you about our friends at Lane's Barbecue before we get too far in the show. I told you for uh, a little while now that you need to go check out their Instagram because it's going to give you great ideas on what you need to do with your tailgate and with your grill. And uh, I, I want to be sure that you see what that looks like for yourself here uh, on our YouTube channel. And so I'm pulling up Lane's Barbecue's feed here. And man, I'm seeing queso that they've used with some of their rubs. I'm seeing the rub on a pork shoulder, I believe that's what that, that is. There's some vegetables there. The Cubano seasoning is really good on the vegetables. The shake and steak is a newer one that they've got going on. I watched a video of them making this queso dip. They did it in a cast iron um, skillet on their grill. And that's on their Facebook page right now. And I'm telling you, that will make your tailgate stand out. They added some... Uh, chorizo queso to this one uh, they didn't have chorizo in the one that I saw on Facebook but go check out what they have going on over at Lane's Barbecue if you want 15% off of your order use the promo code GODOGS G-O-D-A-W-G-S coach I'm gonna have to get some ideas and bring this over to the watch along show uh, do some cooking beforehand because my mouth is watering. yeah yeah I'm all for that I'll I'll just sample every one of them that'd be good but uh, me this is not fair for you to put that up right before the show's over because it, it really – I mean, it's good for the viewers and everything, but it makes me so because I don't have any of it. This I one's made – I got to figure out how to do them. I mean, the, my man Brent brought me some rubs. And I, I've been using some of the sauces, but I, I got to get learn how to do the rubs. This one right here is made just for you, Coach. I know you love lemon yaki on your wings, and so you right. can do those at home, and, and that will be perfect for you. Hey, lemon yaki is, is the real deal. I mean, anybody would love to have a different type of uh, wing instead of teriyaki or lemon pepper. Get that lemon yaki com combo. And I can give a shout out to this sort of white barbecue sauce that we have on the screen right now. It's more of an Alabama style barbecue sauce. So with the two marquee games of the week in the SEC involving Alabama and Auburn, that sort of white may make your tailgate stand out a little bit more. Check out Lane's Barbecue. Again, that's 15% off with the promo code GODOGS, G-O-D-A-W-G-S. Tell them that you heard about Lane's Barbecue and their sauces and rubs from uh, your friends at Around the League on UGASports.com. All right, guys. Guys, final game, and uh, I'm calling this the Quiz Bowl. Stanford. Battle of the Brains. <laughs> Stanford at Vanderbilt. Uh, there will be a lot of academics and very few football fans, if I had to suspect what Nashville would right. look like. I have a question for Coach right here. Coach, do you think David Shaw is maybe a little upset that he beat down USC too much? 
No. Oh, you mean because they're going to change the coach or what? Because <laughs> he beat them down, and then they said, all right, enough of Clay Helton. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. The first game Helton played was against them and the last one. But I think David Shaw is a really solid coach. It's hard for me to believe they could go to Manhattan, Kansas, and get beat like that and then go out there and, and, and beat USC like they did. So uh, kind of a perplexing situation. But I got to give Clark Lee credit. I mean, I didn't give Vanderbilt much chance going out there to Colorado State, but uh, and particularly getting down like they did. But, boy, that's just a big win for the program, a big boost, everybody getting on your butt about losing East Tennessee. But, uh, you know, Colorado State's had a tough time since Bobo left. They haven't won but one game out there. So they're having a hard time meshing. But any way you look at it, any kind of W for Vanderbilt at this point is, is big. It's huge. They got all that fundraising they're talking about. But. Uh, the battle of the brains, I like that. It's going to be the, the – uh... Internet's cutting in and out a little bit there. Uh, Brent, your overall read of uh, Vandy and, and Stanford, I, I don't know on the field that there's a lot to go off of. Keep getting better. Keep improving. Keep playing tight. Staying as long as you can. Get as much as you can get and, and, and survive and, and keep building your program. Well, we made it to the end of the show before the internet issues popped up just for a second. And I guess the uh, internet world did not want us to talk about Stanford and Vandy for too long. Uh, it would be a big win for Vandy. I'll say can't that. Really blame, can't really blame the internet, right? That they, they, The internet world would not want us to talk about Stanford and Vanderbilt. Uh, Coach, is there an upset alert that you see uh, on this list of games? Is there a team that should be uh, on alert that things could go south if they're not careful? Yeah, I don't really think anything this week uh, if everybody just takes care of business. Certainly Tulane is capable of playing with Ole Miss, but I don't think they can take enough over four quarters and do it. Uh, Florida Gators, I mean, they get some turnovers. That would be huge. I mean, it would be uh, it would be just monumental for their team to, to beat the, the uh, defending national champions, but they're going to need some help. But I don't see any real upsets to you, Brent. Uh, Memphis uh, at home against Mississippi State would be the only one that I would think. And that's, you know, it's a, oh, three, it's a pick em game. Every week, man. Hey, you, what do you got against Leach? I love Mike Leach. I just uh, I think that that's the one game. They're, they're about three and a half point favorites. So yeah, that's, 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 a good, that's a good pick. I think it's the Mississippi's as well. But I also think Arkansas may be not again, kind of like what you're saying with Ole Miss, coach. I don't know that it's uh, upset alert, but closer than the experts think, as Lee Corso says, Georgia Southern yeah. plays those games tough. And Georgia Southern has a lot to prove after getting embarrassed last week. Uh, I think they have some quarterback issues, and, and Arkansas may not be the team you want to play when you have some quarterback issues. Uh, but the Eagles have some good players too. So that, that's a tough game for the Hogs. Yeah, I was surprised that Georgia Southern's quarterback transferred to uh, for his last year up to Louisville. Because uh, he, he had a really good career there and had another year, but fortunately he got hurt in that first game. But that was – you know what happened on that, uh, Brent? No, didn't. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever asked you anything that you didn't know. So, <laughs> I wish I hadn't asked you because I really lost a lot of faith in you on that. But I'm sorry, Coach. I'll try to redeem myself on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> You can uh, watch uh, Georgia and South Carolina along with us on this YouTube uh, channel, the UGA Sports YouTube page. It is the UGA Sports Watch Along Show with Jim Donnan, Brent Rollins, and Dane Young. For this whole cast, this is Around the League from UGASports.com. We'll see you next week.